0: and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: Giving space to the often unheard questions,
0: doubts, hopes and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen.
1: And I'm Cathy. And we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead.
0: It's so great to connect with some old friends and hear a bit more about their stories, what they've been up to. And one of the things I think for some context is Rui refers to the homes a few times and and what he's referring to there is an intentional community that the the two of us were a part of. We were trying to live and give priority to our immediate neighbors.
1: What I'm really enjoying is hearing people's stories and the perspectives that come out of their lived experience. And something that really resonated with me, with Rui and Haley sharing, is that people different to us can really teach us more about God. There's so much truth to this, that cultural diversity helps us to see different sides of who God is. And it's no wonder I can't see clearly on my own. And it's both challenging and also inspiring.
0: And Rui, it's so great to have you join us on the Changes Ahead podcast. Thank you so much for making Mm. some time. And we are so looking forward to hearing your thoughts and insights into what changes might be ahead of us in the church. So welcome.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
3: Awesome. Yeah, it's really good to be here, bro. Good to see it. to see your beautiful face again. You haven't aged a bit, Stephen.
0: Oh, that's kind. <laughs> very, very kind. Yes, we're looking for truth on this podcast, though. So. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's that, that's that's all truth, bro. You know me. <laughs>
0: I wonder, as we begin, if you would be willing to just tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, uh, you know, who is Rui? Who is Haley?
2: I am Hayley and I am mostly a full-time mum. I've got a, we've got seven, five, and three-year-olds. But I do work part-time. I've worked part-time for quite a while at um, School Baptist Church as the children's ministry worker. That involves running the children's program and coordinating the leaders. And I've recently started doing creative ministries and. Um, there's a bunch of different things in the work that might come this
3: so year. Yeah, it's exciting. Awesome, thank you. I love, like, sort of the Te Ao Māori way of starting, when you open up a pepe car. Yeah, and, and uh, so I'll, I'll go real quick. So, call pukitāpapa te maunga, ko te auwanga te awa, ko pangitokitipunga, ko menjuraua, ko hanako iwi, ko our school south, tukāinga, No china ahau, kuri pīng ingoa, so... So um Pukitapapa or or um, uh, Roskill, Mount Roskill is our Mongan. The Oanga is our is our Awa, the local the sort of the local Oakley creek that goes from here all the way out to um oh, this goes all the way out to central, like all the way out to town, pretty close. So yeah, and, and I guess my whakapapa um, from my mum's side, so she's half Manchuri um, mum's side is Manchurian Chinese and my dad's side is Han Chinese and they historically didn't like each other, mm. and what my mom told me a few years ago was that the Manchurians used to be like royalty in the Qing Dynasty. And I was I was cracking up when she told me this, and I was like, "This is amazing! Like, let's, like, let's just let's we, we can raise we need to raise some money for the business. Can we sell a part of our Forbidden Castle and just kind of well? That way, <laughs> unfortunately, son, we don't do that, and instead we get to inherit a few generations and not being able to tell our stories. Um, and government oppression, basically, and, and that's that was an interesting part of the fuck part of it, I guess. um mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, another big part of just being a dad, and like I have, have an amazing wife, Haley. That honestly, like, I feel like half the time I don't know what I'm talking about, and she kind of brings it all in. <laughs> and then we're fortunate enough to have three kids: um, Theo, Annabelle, um, and Malachi. And that's that's yeah, a big part of who who I am and who we are. And yeah. And besides that, I, I I'm one of the co-founders at Critical and it's a clean tech company and our, our mission is to end plastic pollution by um, turning plastic waste into building materials. And so that's kind of between those two things is how, I, how I spend my time.
1: A busy life.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah. Stephen is actually quite a, yeah. You know, Steven's actually play quite a part of that story for me too. Like, you know, in our, in our years and figuring all this community and, and, and faith and Christian stuff out and, and the in the homes um, as well mm. as
2: as well. well Stephen so. Goldstone was um, my um, one mm. of my youth leaders when I was a teenager. Mm. When we came back from the mission field from Bangladesh, so full circle,
0: full
3: <laughs> circle, really. <That's> right. yeah.
0: <laughs> you mentioned the business, uh, Rui, Perhaps we could start there. A clean tech company. Your your faith and worldview ha- drives that. I'm, is my understanding so mm. how does the church impact or faith impact the way that you see business and also vice versa how does the the fact that you you're doing this clean tech wanting to end pollution uh, plastic pollution yeah. um how does that then speak back into kind of the the faith perspective it's
3: a, it's a really like man it's a really tough question and a big question it's a great question too and i feel like it's it's definitely been a bit of a final affair for us like it's it's sort of like, since we got married, it's been a decision, you know, like, you know, Haley and I knew that when we got married, well, I hope we both knew and we we're on the same page, <laughs> that we make decisions based on our values and going after the things that are important. Yeah, like, I really like um, the Māori that that's like, um, which is like, um, reach beyond and mm. if you value your let it be to a lofty mountain. Mm. Um, strive for the things of great value if, you're lofty, mm. if you value here. Let it be to a lofty mountain. It's definitely a, a decision we've all made and it's sort of a, a journey that we've all decided to be on post, post the end of the homes. And yeah, but I, I guess with critical, like a lot of it came out of our time experimenting in the community homes and, and Stephen would have known this. Yeah, having these, trying to figure out like, what, is, what does faith look like beyond a rhythm or that we we, we gather every Sunday and beyond, beyond that, but what does it look like in our day-to-day life? And yeah. I can't talk about critical about sort of, talking about that I guess and so yeah as and maybe like as a young 20 year old going into this community thinking oh man I'm gonna like change the world um, go into this place I'm gonna help all these people you know six months in slapped to the face realizing just how broken I was and how much in need of belonging and friendship mm. that I was and and it was sort of this journey of mutual belonging and eventually what happened was what you know what really broke our neighbor's heart because they were our good friends broke my heart and and there was this initial desire to go well how do we we just keep seeing sort of this thing about yeah people needing access to opportunity long-term opportunity meaningful work and in a place that matters and we wanted to respond to that so the, it, it wasn't there was no intention about this being a business in, in the first half it was just about how do we you know how do we respond to the needs of our neighbors at the time and then eventually grew into sort of a clean tech company and how would you like friend her
2: his thought process was I want to help people but if their basic needs aren't being met then there's no space for personal or spiritual growth and so the people that we mm. were working with um, we were wanting to work with and didn't have jobs or didn't have like a steady income and so the idea is that you create a business that can then once it's steady enough to support itself and hire people then you can choose to hire people who struggle to get a job and provide social support around that to make it possible for them and obviously at the moment Rui's business is really at the very beginning stage of that
1: but um, that's kind of the end goal I just love what I'm hearing. And we talk about this a lot in our community and that what we do outside of our church life is we're just embodying who we are. We just take that with us. We're not trying to be anything different. And so your early experiences have shaped you and shaped your values and shaped this deep compassion because you're actually, you're, you're living alongside people. And so you've just taken that, embodying that, And then living out of that. I mean, that just feels something that we can all do.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's not easy, but.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of faith involved in telling you there's a lot of faith in like not backing down when you don't know how things are going to work out. Well, yeah. And that's stepping into that unknown, isn't it? So and and isn't that that creative space? (laughs) I think you would know a lot about that, Rui, When you're thinking about your business, that creativity doesn't mean you have all the answers. It means stepping out into that space of of not knowing, and yeah. maybe you could speak to that.
3: Yeah, like, like I think right you know right now for us, it's, it's like we uh, in the last couple of years we raised about 350k, and we started the factory, and and then we've earlier this year raised about another 125 grand. But when you're hiring people and staff. There's always a sense of uncertainty, like, you know, and mm. there's a lot of self doubt in that journey. Mm. Like, from the outside, it seems, it seems, you know, it seems like a, a you know, like, like the story that um, you, you guys have actually caught me in quite a vulnerable time where there's this consistent uncertainty, like, what's, mm. what's going to be next for us? Um, what does the next season look like? How do we get customers? How do we develop this technology and this process about running out of money? Um, yeah. So, but, but then, but then again, I then I look back, just, just countless unexplainable like times where we've, we've made the decision. I, I think for, you know, like for most of our twenties, we, because, because of the decision we made, we probably like lived off for three kids, like off like 25 to 30 grand a year. <laughs> and, in Auckland. In Auckland. Um, <laughs> and um, there'll be so also periods where it's like, holy shit, we're not going to have money to like pay the rent or how are we going to, you know, buy, like have expenses to go through the this, this summer holidays and stuff. And something which has happened. And, you know,
2: like, yeah. I feel I, like several times, like, that's what I was meaning, that it takes faith. Like, for us, yeah. it's been a faith journey of, like, trusting God with our finances. And there has been times when it's been like, well, next week we won't be able to pay rent if if we, if we don't get it from somewhere. And yeah. every single yeah. time, like, something has come up, either like a random contract that we didn't know about or we thought was a long shot or even just, like, anonymous lumps of money appearing <laughs> in our bank account like yeah. not not kidding you yeah. and and or like things that seemed like a bad thing at the time yeah turning mm. up to actually save us financially like last year there was a tornado that hit rui's factory just as he was
3: you, you um, it up. just as yeah. he had
2: finished setting it up yeah. um and we thought oh no you know like we're gonna have to keep on paying rent for, like, had it not happened, we'd have to keep on paying rent, but little did we know that a machine that Ray yeah. had so, bought didn't yeah. work.
3: So we pretty much put, at that time, 350K to set up that first factory because all, all of the the technology and the process is all new or hasn't been developed. Literally the day after, we had this big toy tornado ripped, sort of half-ripped everything up on half, the, on half the roof and destroyed everything, pretty much destroyed everything, just about. And yeah, and I think the, the tornado ripped through by eight fifteen. We were on site eight thirty for a meeting with one of the engineers, mm. wow. and it was devastating. And at the time, it was I feel like it broke my spirit quite a lot. But in hindsight, like what we didn't know was that like one of the um the primary, one of the machines that like we bought that required machine, yeah. yeah for us to do a lot of the the processing, it was a bit of a dud. It didn't do what was promised it to, to do, and basically costed more money. And in that six-month period in the recovery,
2: where they didn't have to pay rent because the, the landlord, factory was yeah,
3: broken, the landlord gave us rent-free for that period of time. So we we had the we, we we then had to use the money to be able to repair the machines. Oh man, it's just I feel like just countless. Part like of, had
2: they had to pay rent without being able to manufacture, it, have have, it would have yeah. stopped. Like we wouldn't have been able to carry on. But because of yeah, the tornado. Yeah stopping the yeah. rent for the factory. I feel like this we, isn't the story
3: like- that, like, <laughs> Cathy
1: you know,
3: and but, yeah. wants to hear. But it is, <laughs> it, is,
1: it is interesting, though, because also I suppose my question would be who yeah. helps hold you in that space? Because even though you're talking about business, this is still the same feeling in any context, this idea of not, I mean, this feeling of uncertainty and not knowing what's ahead. What helps hold you? Are there people that hold you in that space when you're going through these? I mean, yes. Can you speak to that?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, Haley obviously is a is a huge part of that, and being able to process and talk about it, and then go, okay, what do we do next? Yeah, th- there's. I, th- I think a community do hold that. Like, I, mm. I catch up with um in this period. I caught up <laughs> with Ron Lang, who's who's my spiritual director, and we and we process And there was just some. Pretty crazy. Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like in a, a real, in one of these sort of like a really uncertain period, I kept I had this like vivid, vivid, vivid dream, and that I had to process that with you know, you know with Ron and one of the spiritual directors. Like it, it, the the feelings were that we're embarking on this journey in a half baked vessel, um, but when we arrive at our destination of all, all of my kids. We, we just went into this this room within a room this within a room. It's, it's really hard to explain. The path slowly
2: um, unveiled itself yeah. and it became like it was uncertain and it became more certain and then like like amazing. And it, yeah.
3: And know. and I I guess like one of the things I'm like I, I have to tell myself is that like, you know, life can be viewed in two ways. I think Rob Bell talks about this quite a bit. he, he says like the first one is that life is a set of occurrences that you have to endure or life is 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 an adventure that you get to go on. Mm. And um, and, and I sort of, I I part that with, you know, like this other sort of uh, reflection, which goes like, what is the difference? Like the only difference between being an entrepreneur and being unemployed is your attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of that, I guess I can empathize and sympathize with over the years. Yeah, just things happen, having good friends and good mates that I can process with. Um, But probably most recently is... um, yeah. Like I got, we, our, our business got accepted into this accelerator called Startmate and they, 466 startups from Aussie and New Zealand apply and they only choose 15. And from that, you know, sort of, I met other people, other entrepreneurs who's got similar journeys of trying to start something themselves and stepping into the unknown and taking these huge financial risks and stuff. I found that as another community of support, mm-hmm. mm. people who, 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 are doing it themselves. Mm. Understands all the highs and lows, but, mm. but uh, yeah, it's people like it, it's you know, people. Know, yeah. People and, and rhythms. I think mm. rhythm. so. Like praise you go is is quite a cool ritual I have when I drive into work in the morning. And then as I come back, I find sort of like the headspace mindfulness meditations are quite helpful to, to just sort of like split between this is work and this is home. And mm. I don't do it well still, but it's 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 the work in progress. Mm. Thank you for your
0: your vulnerability, mm. like sharing that with us. Like, and yeah, it's, it's really humbling actually just, just mm. sit with, with you in this space to, to, and hearing that. And
3: the question you had, Stephen, was how does this relate to faith? Yeah. Right. So I, I think to, to try and kind of a, a circle back, circle it back in, I think um, what, what often sits or leaves me in my heart is like God leads you from the known into the unknown like that like that yeah i feel like that's probably one of those things that i've, I've yeah I've maybe ke- I've, I've kept in and and also that like life isn't meant made to be comfortable like it's mm. made to be uncomfortable mm. god gives you peace in those spaces I th- yeah so I, I think there's kind of these maybe nuggets of wisdom through the years that i've made that you know we've probably internalized ourselves mm-hmm. i think was it, was it um frederick Buchner who he talks about like um like the the work of our lives or the kaupapa or the purpose of our lives is where our deepest desire, the things that gives us the deepest joy meet the world's deepest hunger. And I, yeah, I think that alongside those other nuggets, almost in my, in my early twenties, kind of maybe, maybe in some ways like springboarded these decisions that we're making, that we're trying to make and still trying to make and still, mm. s- still struggling with, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Mm. And Haley, you've, You've mentioned you're, a, you're working in a church context, particularly focusing on, on children, mm-hmm. but with a, a slightly broader focus than that as well. You're going on this journey together as, as a family that's obviously really intense and uncertain. And mm-hmm. how does your work with other families and, and children within, within a more traditional church space feed into this experience together?
2: So I grew up. In church, my dad is. A, I'm a pastor's kid and a Mish kid, and all those kinds of things. So, um, you're still in the church. It's you must yeah. be pretty unique. <laughs> <laughs> Ray and I like come from very different backgrounds, so mm. it has been like quite a thing to kind of find what our priorities and like what we sh- like what balls we should drop and shouldn't drop. Mm. Um, and mm. I have in my family, what I watched was that my dad's family they like grew up Christian and went to church and all of his siblings he's one of five all of the siblings that didn't stay in church like none of my cousins of those aunties and uncles they don't know God anymore and so for us like as soon as we had kids because before then we were a bit like yeah do we need to go to church? I don't know. We have our Christian friends and we have our Christian like get togethers and we talk about God and all of that. But as soon as we had kids, I was like, I want my kids to know God. Mm. And from, just from my past, like what I've seen is that kids who don't make connections at church don't know God. So we have been going to church um, that being said, church is definitely not perfect at all. Um, I firmly believe that you're going to bump into people that you highly disagree with. And mm. and I feel like the right attitude is mm. um, it's okay to disagree and maybe you mm. will learn something from them um, because they have such a different worldview than you. Um, so that's kind of been our, like, you know what, we do need to, stick with people even if they're annoying or let us down or aren't as passionate or christian as we think <laughs> i'm
3: also wondering about you know like is um i don't know what i don't know what you think about this Haley, but is the place for tradition like in order for you to deconstruct you need to have something to deconstruct mm. to start with mm. you know i wonder if like is, is there still a place for tradition, an imperfect tradition, where as our kids grow up and form their own perspectives and views, at least they have, you know, some kind of like a papa or like a tūranga waiwai, which is like the Māori word for a place to stand. Mm. If you want to move the boulder, you need a lever and a place to stand. And I wonder if like there is room, you know, for what this imperfect church to be, to be that place to stand upon that lever can then push the boulder off.
1: You know, with that, I I agree with you that it needs to be that formation, but also being able to hold the place of being able to be curious and unpack things at the same time. And so I think we haven't done that part very well. We mm. have focused on the formation, mm. but not on the the safety of being able to say, oh, well, I'm not sure about that, and to ask why. And so what do you think about that? Where is that place of curiosity and being able to, to have some questions and to not know?
2: Um, I really think that that is like one of the most important things that we can do is to doubt and question. In your faith journey, it is kind of like a dance Mm, um, like that. Yeah, so you will draw closer to God and you'll come back and you'll draw and you'll walk alongside mm. with them and you hear God as a form of, like, music that makes you move in a certain way and, it's, you know, like there's pulses and sometimes it's slow and sometimes it's fast. But, like, honestly, like, doubt and questions and all of that kind of mm. stuff is so important mm. and, like, to have those questions not shoved into the corner like i was mm. very lucky as a as a teenager to have the parents that i did because we always talked about different things and like there was no question that we weren't allowed to ask
3: it's, it's also asking ourselves like what is the goal that we believe in like when we feel like we can't ask certain questions or we feel like we have to defend ourselves
2: mm. like,
3: so i don't come from a faith background and often like what's really important for me is for things to be accessible like it's for faith to be accessible, and and what we do, and how we, yeah, like how we how we share about it, how we talk about it. I think two weeks ago, it took um, Paul Windsor, like he he did the sermon about cultural diversity isn't a nice to have, but having the truth interpreted by people of other cultures and backgrounds, mm. even say religious backgrounds as well, it it helps us to understand all sides of who God is. And I, I just think that like, if we don't step beyond and have genuine conversations with our Muslim and our Buddhist brothers and sisters and stuff, because we feel like, well, if I do that, then my faith is at risk. Well, heck, like your faith is probably, isn't that strong to start with anyway. <laughs> and one of the, one of the biggest things I often, often sort of wonder is like, man, what, like, what can Teo Mahdi teach me more about God? Like what oh, can, love, yes yeah, like what can the of atheists teach me more about God?
0: Listening to the different voices that we don't normally hear, I think, to be honest, I'm a pastor and the majority of books, and I'm trying to change this, but the majority of books, certainly up until the last few years ago, would have been a particular kind of person writing. That's going to be someone of European descent and most likely a man. And so hearing from different voices, as you suggested, sounds really important. So can we talk a little bit about that and how that might change things for us in the church?
3: I can probably tell a story. So I, I I was um like I was I was really fortunate in the last oh, towards the end of last year for about two or three months to help um to, to do this piece of work. So it was meant to be like the the national certificate of sustainability. It was meant to be like a one oh one, sustainability one oh one, looking at issues of climate change and decarbonized economies. And I was working with a good colleague of mine, Simon, looking at integrating Tao Maori principles into what's gonna be a national and potentially a global sustainability course. Mm. And so like there was just so many sort of lessons in that space where like in Taiwan, like you're Papa, you're you're tracing back of genealogy to your ancestors, but also to the land that your ancestors have grown up in, mm. connecting that with this worldview of of Modi. Like, yeah, like I mean in, in, in te Ao Māori, like you believe that everything has a Modi and Modi is understood as an intangible sort of force. That binds things that don't typically bind together, that binds you and I together. But mm-hmm. the Modi is also in the land, the ground that we stand on, the trees that we that's a part of us, the animals that are part of us. And because we're we're binding that way, it creates a kinship tie. It's just like it's ridiculous <laughs> how innately what like in mataranga Maori can understand the Holy Spirit and how <laughs> like, like it's it's so embedded in that. And because of that, because we have such, you know, yeah, we, we can't. We all have kinship ties to the ground. Whatever we do to the land, yeah, like if the land is not healthy, then we are not healthy because we depend on that as we grow. And then, and you and you take like a macro view and you look at like climate change. You look at sort of like the um, we're not really on track to hitting 1.5 degrees. A lot of these indigenous views on how we treat each other and treat the land, it's it's, it's, it's so like Godful, <laughs> yeah. like I find. Um, You know, traditionally, probably I've come a lot more disconnected. I don't see things in that way. But through, you know, my brothers and sisters who are Māori, who may or may not be Christian themselves, my mate certainly that I'm working on this isn't, but a lot of how he sees the world and how he breathes and how he treats others, like, is teaching me more about God than Mm. I thought, yeah, like, than what I could understand. And so, like, the Western church have, like, a history in colonisation. And and colonisation is often sort of like, put it really crudely is that like we have a better way than you yeah
2: Mm. and
3: our our religion like like, over centuries have been in better the states um and so we carry that as part of our dna and and so we we so when we come we come into a place we get defensive or or have we just want to
1: change everything
3: yeah i know that's stupid yeah. yeah
1: So you're describing again that we think we've got the right way and ours is better rather than this understanding that you've got something to teach me. And we need that reciprocal uh, mentoring going both ways. That, so that's why I think that stance or heart of humility is so important because how can we learn of someone else until I am prepared to sit in that space myself and be open to what you have to reveal to me?
3: And I'm borrowing this. It's not my words, but it's, um, it's a beautiful tension um, it's it's and it's our ability to hold that tension and interpret it mm-hmm. how you want, you know, like whether if it's um like I I love this um I don't know where I heard this reflection that you have fundamentalists on both sides. Yeah. You've got like really conservative fundamentalists, but then you've got these like super radical fundamentalists or where on the other side, where you can't box me or you can't and they wanna be so different. I think it's also just about like our ability to hold that tension. Hold the mm-hmm. tension between comfort and discomfort, hold the tension. Um yes. When, like acknowledging our colonial past yep. and, you know, stepping into the future in partnership with, yeah, with, with Maori, with other cultures. Yeah, I think, I think holding, holding the tension is probably another quite a big theme.
0: So maybe as we wrap up our time, what's a step that our listeners could, could take away from some of the thoughts that you have shared with us?
3: I think it's pretty simple and everyone has access to this. Like in, in your workplace, in your in your in your place of community. Uh, for me would just to be like, who are the people that I've been avoiding and why? And um to reach out and hang out. Like
2: <laughs> Right. You could just say like as a act, go outside of your comfort zone, whether that's talking to someone who's got different ideologies to you.
3: I also think it's also like all organisations, I know that all businesses, but all organisation businesses, because of the Treaty of Waitangi, have obligations to partner and understand Te Māori and and, and what we do. And I think that's huge. And I actually think that it's a huge opportunity to help with Mm. a lot of these things that make us uncomfortable like these little barriers like i actually think there's a huge opportunity to yeah like you know maybe it's about bridging partnerships to local iwi and doing things together and and let them teach us wow. what are the te ao maori principles that we can integrate and maybe and you know you might find that we start a, a session of a karakia opening karakia or closing karakia and yeah you know, starting starting a session with like a bit of tanga, understanding who each one, one of us are and see each other for more than, see each other more than just kind of people next to us. But we have shared history mm. um, and we might have shared papa. And I, th- I think that's, that's a huge, I, I think it's a huge thing for our church to be, a, it's a huge opportunity for our church to be an amazing example of that is, as an organization that partner of Māori and partner of iwi and, and practice, you know, and, and practice our Māori and in, in, in our faith and stuff. Yeah, mm. We actually have an obligation
0: we do. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you guys. Those are really good things to end with, you know, great questions. I love that. Who are the people that you've been avoiding and why? And, and I like yours too, um, Haley, about going outside our comfort zone. And I think that's it, isn't it? That's the challenges. Can we just step out even just a small step outside our comfort zone and allow ourselves to, to sit in that space.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Just thank you. I've really appreciated what you've brought to us.
0: I love the diversity of of responses just from the two of you. It's coming yeah. from really different perspectives, <laughs> and that is a gift both of you have brought to us. So thank you for your willingness to share with us, and you know, want to acknowledge your your vulnerability at the beginning, Rui, as well. Yeah, acknowledging the space that you're sitting in as we're recording this. So, so thank you. We are incredibly grateful. It's
3: always good. heaps of we see you guys. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: If that resonated with you, we'd love to hear from you.
0: So get in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Changes Aheadcast or Twitter
3: at Ahead Changes. See you next time.